<laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, thank you. You haven't heard the message yet, so you may want to say some of that. You haven't heard the message. Oh, man, it's so... Okay. Can't just... <laughs> yep. Good. That... Nope. Okay, not again. We're good. That seems more appropriate. Uh, well, I, if I would have known you guys would have had this kind of party, it would have come back a while ago. It is... <laughs> Uh, so good to be back. My name is Jared, as Kelly just mentioned. My wife, Jeannie, and I started this church, and we're the lead pastors of this church, but uh, it, we've been away for a little bit on sabbatical. Our elders uh, very wisely and generously gave Jeannie and I a summer sabbatical break, and oh, I have so much to share with you about that. Um, if you're new around here, hi. Well, I don't think we've met yet, but... <laughs> I'm around. I'll, I'll, I hope you stick around. I'd love to meet you. Um, this summer has been so incredibly important for our family, and we're so incredibly grateful for the gift that, that God has given us. It was a time to intentionally uh, pull back, to pull away, to uh, listen to God for us personally, for me personally, um, our marriage, our family, and for uh, this church, time of prayer and quiet and also uh, in scripture and, and meeting with mentors and soul level friends. It was such an important and meaningful uh, time for us. I want to just uh, real quick, can I give you just a quick couple highlights and I want to share some thoughts as we kick off a new series today. So a couple things that happened on this uh, sabbatical. One of the things is uh, I built a table and benches from scratch uh, by myself. So you know... I'm going to show you that picture and may even just teach on it all next week about how you could do it. But uh, I wanted to build something. I wanted to create something with my hands. And I don't know if you know about any other famous carpenters, but I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. Uh, and then I, I also, during the sabbatical time, got to go down and spend a couple days with uh, an important spiritual leader and director in my life, Father Richard Rohr. And if you've read any of his books or listened to his, the, the podcast with him, uh, what a gift to be away with him for a couple days. Um, our family went to Africa. Our family went to Africa. How amazing is that? And um, while we were there, Jeannie climbed the largest freestanding mountain in the world. She climbed Mount Kilimanjaro to start her sabbatical. That's how she started. Did I mention I built a table? That's same, same. Um, so we went to Africa. Why did we go to Africa? One, for, to support Jeannie, but two, to be with our World Vision family. We love World Vision as an organization here. Many of you are running the marathon in partnership with Team World Vision. Well, we got to go as a family and visit one of the kids we've been sponsoring for a couple of years in Swaziland first and see all the work that World Vision is doing there. Then we got to go to Mawala, Kenya, which I cannot wait for you to hear more about. Our church is in a sponsorship relationship with some 600 children from this one community in Kenya. What a beautiful, beautiful place and what incredible people. We just fell in love with the children and with the staff at World Vision. Our kids did amazing. They did so good. They ate goat at one point. They crushed it. and They just were like present to all of it and present to God. And I, I, again, I cannot wait to tell you more about what God's going to be doing through our partnership with World Vision, and I just want all of you to go. I want all of you to go be with our brothers and sisters and sons and daughters in Mawala. What a powerful time for us. Um, we also got to go on a safari. That was pretty cool. We got to see real live animals without cages and fences, 
and got to be right up close and, and personal. That was a really powerful thing for our family. Got to spend a few days uh, in Cape Town together as a family. Um, we got to go to Paris, so we were kind of, since we were over there, like, we're over here, let's just keep going. And so we got to go to Paris. We were in Paris on the hottest day in recorded history, 108 degrees while we were in Paris. So everyone was just real happy with each other and <laughs> lots of hugs on that day. Um, and then we tacked on a few days in London where we got to see all of the sights and um, we got to worship with a partner church, a church that we really love called HTV, Holy Trinity Brompton. We got to go and be with them as a family. Oh, it was such a refreshing time for us. And, and then we came home because we had to eventually come home from all that. And, and then I went and spent some time in Southern California and got to just be still and quiet. I'm going to let you think that that's me surfing. Um, just set the timer and ran out and caught that wave. Uh, but to, just to be quiet and still and meet with a mentor that's been in my life for almost 20 years, got to meet with her and some other soul-level friends there, and then got to go up to Northern California to spend time with my dad, and this was really important to me. Um, some of you may know my dad had a pretty massive stroke back in the spring, and it's totally changed his life and my mom's and their, our family, and, and so to go and spend a couple days with my dad and be with him and our kids to be there as well, and and to spend that time with my mom was really, really important for us and such a gift. And then what we could not have known when we started the summer and we started the sabbatical was that a large part of it was going to be spent um, grieving the loss of someone that we love. You may know that Jeannie's brother Andy died uh, at the beginning of June very suddenly and unexpectedly. And it's just um, uh, so much um, just loss and grief and shock and um, and while our family is kind of walking the steps of grief together, um, I just want to say to you as a church, I just have to say this: uh, you've loved us so well. Oh my God, you've loved us so well. You've prayed for us. You've cared for us. You've provided meals for our family. You've loved my sister Anto and their sweet baby boy Ewan. I don't know if you know this. There's people in our church, when Anto comes, she's come every week since Andy died. She's come to Soul City. And people, while she's here, fill her car with diapers and formula. And I just don't know how to say thank you. I'm so beyond grateful for how you've loved us through this as we continue to grieve his loss. And I know there's a lot of people that, you know, um, have walked away from God or walked away probably it's usually because of church that they walked away. Statistically, less and less people are going to church. And when I hear stats like that or stories like that, I just think to myself, you haven't met these people. You put a clinic on, on how to love someone well at the lowest point of their life. And so whether you're directly involved in that or not, I just want to say thank you. We love you and we're so incredibly grateful for how this church has walked with us through this unexpected loss. Um, so thank you. I'm so proud to be, I'm so proud to be a part of this church. And apparently they've told me I have to get back to work. So <laughs> I thought we'd start by preaching a little message today. Oh, thanks, Alexandria. I appreciate that. Um, I just usually just snot up. So I, they're, they're used to it, but thank you. If anyone else needs Kleenex, they're right here. Um, you know, uh, part of why Gene and I were entrusted with this gift of a, this sabbatical during this time, and I just pause, 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 pause. 
Uh, can we just stop for a second? This is not in the notes. Can we bless the staff of this church who led you so well this summer? And all the speakers that showed up, friends of ours that came and filled in. Sorry, I just didn't want to miss that. I, it was, we never had, I just shut down email, never had to worry about y'all. Don't be offended if I say that I didn't really think about you that much. Because um, we're in such, you were in such good hands. You are in such good hands. Part of why the elders gave us this gift of a sabbatical is in recognition of the almost 25 years now that Jean and I have been pastors. 25 years. Um, we started when we were 10, so we were a part of an advanced class, <laughs> pastoral studies. But, um, but the reason that they gave us this time to rest for replenishment um, was not as a reward for that. We'd gone 25 years without ever taking a break like this for all kinds of different reasons. We just had never stopped like this. It wasn't to like reward us like a gold watch, like, oh, here you go, great job. It wasn't that. And it wasn't because we were so fried and exhausted. In fact, when I started my sabbatical, I told you, I, feel, I felt alive and connected to God. It wasn't like they were like, you know, you need to get out of here. It wasn't because of that. The reason that we took this sabbatical rest was because we want to be in it for the long haul. And we want it to be well with our souls, with our marriage, with our family, and with this church. We actually want to be in this thing for the long haul. Get this. This is really important. We stopped this last summer, these three months, we stopped because we want to keep going. Does that make sense? We stopped because we want to keep going. We want to be faithful to the callings that God has given in our life and to lead this church as he enables us to do so. That's why we stopped, so we can keep going. And just so you know, if you're wondering, Jeannie's still on her sabbatical. Hers wraps up in a couple weeks. Um, this morning, she was uh, at another church service with our kids. They went to uh, kind of experience another form of worship. They were um, at Kanye's Sunday service. <laughs> That's real. They actually were at Kanye's Sunday service. And I'd appreciate you not clapping for that. Because <laughs> me and God have had a hard, we had some hard talks last night when they got those tickets. So, but it's good to be with you. Um, <laughs> The reason we stopped was because we want to keep going, and that takes a different kind of perspective. That takes a different kind of perspective. That, that takes us stepping back and looking ahead, looking at the bigger picture to be faithful to what God has called us to, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about for the next couple of weeks. How do you play the long game? How do you see life with God as a long game? Not a short game, but a long game with God. How can you faithfully, joyfully walk with God through every season of your life and grow closer to him and become more of who he meant you to be over the long game? Because that is what life is. It's a long game. It is. And life with God is a long game. And so what we're going to look at is how do we look beyond just today? How do we look beyond just ourselves? How can we say yes to God and keep saying yes to God for a lifetime? That's a different kind of perspective. Would you agree? And I think one of the reasons that it can be so difficult for us to have that kind of perspective is because many of us are walking around with an undiagnosed condition that we weren't really even aware of. A lot of us, most of us, I would say, suffer from something that we're not even aware of, a condition that maybe you've never even heard of before. Um, just by a show of hands, how many of you have found out as an adult about an allergy that you have, then you got diagnosed maybe with an allergy or some kind of condition that's kind of changed the way you diet or the way you live? Just raise your hand if some, big or small, like it's peanuts or it's gluten or it's whatever it is, right? Dairy, whatever it is. You found that out in life and then it makes sense, right? Like, oh my gosh, that's why I would always get sick or that's why I would always break out or whatever it is, right? 
Uh, years ago, when we, uh, our kids were younger, they were kind of just getting started in school, we wanted to help however we could as parents, and so we took them to this cognitive learning center place so that they could get tested to see how their brains work, what the best way is to work with them as they were developing, and to see if they have ADD. We wanted to see, like, okay, how can we help them so that they know? But we didn't want there to be any stigma around that. We wanted that, just not, there's no reason for that. So we decided that we would all get tested together as a family. That way it wouldn't feel weird just for our kids. Well, you'll be shocked to find out which of the two adults in the family uh, came back with high levels of ADD. Wait a second. No one's shocked. It's me. And so I got the paperwork finally to verify all that my teachers had felt for years right? It's like, oh, that explains it. Oh, that's why that's so hard. Oh, I, got, I understand this condition I have. That's fine. Now I can actually work with that. See, I think all of us are suffering from a condition, an undiagnosed condition, like ADD, but a little different. I would call it PDD. I think a lot of us, if not all of us, suffer from perspective deficit disorder. You might have it. You might have it. Perspective deficit disorder. What is it? It's a condition in which people fail to see the bigger picture, including such symptoms as short-term thinking, impulsive decision-making, and early-onset regret. Ask your doctor about treatments that are safe for you for PDD. I think most of us have PDD, and it's understandable why we would, because think about the current cultural moment that we find ourselves in. Everything is about now, isn't it? Everything's just about this moment. That's why it's so hard for us to have a bigger perspective. You think about things that you might not have even connected this before, the rise of such services like Uber, or Airbnb, has actually led statistically to a greater trend of people renting versus owning. You don't have to own a car. You don't have to own a place. You don't have to, you just, you just rent, right? Nothing wrong with that, but it kind of shifts your investment into the future. You think about the fact that the average college grad that graduated this last year graduates with over $30,000 in student loan debt. Over $30,000 in student loan. Some of you are like, pfft triple it, right? Like, got it. I got it. I'm just saying that's the average. It's not a, comp- it's not a competition. I just want to be clear. You know it's not a competition, right? That's, that's on average. That's the average. That's how you start your career. So do you think that maybe with that level of crippling debt, it's not going to affect the decisions you make about tomorrow? Because you got this problem, this debt right that you're hanging on you right now today, right? Or you think about the fact that there was a study done not too long ago about a career longevity, and what it found was that the average person changes jobs, sometimes within an organization, sometimes to a different organization, changes jobs every four years. Every four years, transitioning to something else. That over the course of a career, you'll have around 12 different jobs. That's just kind of normal. Two generations ago, that, was, that would be unheard of, right? So it's a change. Now, None of those things are bad in and of themselves, except the student loan. That's actually a scheme cooked up in the bowels of hell. But (laughs) none of those things are necessarily bad in and of themselves. But when you add them up and you add them together, can you see why it's hard for us to have a better perspective? When you add all those factors together, can you see why we tend to only think in months versus years? And when we do think about a year, it's usually this year. We're not thinking about next year or five years from now or 10 years from now, or 20 years from now, I think a lot of us, a lot of us suffer from perspective deficit disorder. And while it may make sense when you kind of look around and go, oh yeah, no wonder, it doesn't make for a great life with God. Because life is, and specifically life with God is, let me say it again, a long game. 
It's a long game of faithfulness and obedience. And so what I want us to consider, and you might want to even write this question down. This is going to kind of set us into this little conversation today, and then I'll wrap up in a couple minutes. But consider this question. Think about your life. What do your decisions, what do your decisions that you're making, what do your decisions say beyond today? Right? All the decisions that we make, we tend to think about it just about us, just about this moment. But to even begin to ask yourself, what are my decisions that I'm making about my job, relationship, where I live, whatever it may be? What, do, what does this decision say beyond today? Because the decisions you make actually matter beyond today. And they're actually bigger than you. They have a lot to say. The decisions you make have a lot to say about what you believe about God, about what you believe about tomorrow, about yourself. So what do your decisions say beyond today, beyond this moment? And how do you actually win the long game? How do you win a long, the long game of life with God? What does that look like? I think it has everything to do with your perspective. So I want you to grab a Bible and I want you to turn to Psalm chapter one. We're gonna look at a different kind of perspective. Psalm chapter one. If you have a Bible with you, have it on your phone, awesome, Psalm chapter one. If not, there should be a, a Soul City Bible uh, right in the seat in front of you. You can kind of grab that or on the armchair there, you can grab that as well. Psalm chapter one, it's on page 431 in the Soul City Bible. That'll fast track you there. Page 431 in the Soul City Bible. Let me give you some quick context as we come into Psalm chapter one. Ready for it? It's the first psalm, and we have no idea who wrote it. That's about all the context we have. A lot of the psalms are written by David. We don't know who wrote this one, but we do know about the author of this particular song, whoever he or she was, that it was, they saw life, they saw people in two different categories, those who were willing to trust God and those who didn't, those who are willing to play a long game and those who actually weren't. They were more into the short game, and let me show you exactly uh, what I mean, this is Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, says this. Bless, that's really important to remember. We're going to get back to that in a second. Bless, there's a blessing, the tangible goodness of God on the life of the one who does not walk in step with, does not keep step with the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, sake, or sit in the company of mockers. I love they're kind of covering all the positions, right? Standing, walking, sitting, right? This person is blessed when they don't just play that game, when they actually make a decision that has a bigger impact than just this moment. Verse 2 says this, but whose delight, so blessed is the person whose delight, everyone say delight, whose delight. delight. Now that's important that you circle and understand that. Blessed is the person, it doesn't say whose duty, it says whose delight, whose delight, who actually receives life in the law of the Lord, or the way of God, the will of God, following God, trusting God, and who meditates on his law, or his will, or his way, day and night. Again, the writer of this psalm says there's two types of people, those who are willing to trust God, and those who don't, those who are willing to look at the long game, play the long game of a life with God, and those who actually don't. Now, I want to be really clear. It does not say that God loves one more than the other. That's not how it works with God. It doesn't say one's God's favorite and the other one isn't. That's not at all actually what it's saying. One guy's the good guy, one guy's the bad guy. That's not it. It just says that there is a blessing that goes along with the person who's willing to trust God with their everyday daily decisions, that there is actually a bigger picture, that when they say yes to God, God blesses their yes. 
But I want you to look at the time frame in which this writer of Psalm talks about that blessing. Let's look at verse 3. Continuing to talk about this person, willing to play the long game with God. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Just imagine that picture. Which yields its fruit when? Which yields its fruit? Say it again. Who yields its fruit? In season. That's actually important to pay attention to. And whose leaf does not wither. Because whatever they do, what? Whatever they do, prospers. That's a, whoa, whatever they do, prospers. That's a big promise. Now, the writer of this psalm gives us, I think, a perfect living metaphor, talking about a tree, that this person who's willing to say yes to God and wants to keep saying yes to God as best they can is like a tree planted by streams of water. Other passages refer to as streams of living water, that it literally gives life to this kind of person. And that person, as they say yes to God, actually will bear fruit. There will be fruit that comes out of those yeses. But when does the writer of Psalm 1 say that happens? In season, that you may actually not see it today, but that doesn't mean that it's not there. That your trust of God, your willingness to say yes to God in this moment will bear fruit in season. God will bring it to be a blessing to you, to others, ultimately to him, but it's in season. Now, how many of you have at least one living plant in your office or your home right now that you've been Good for you. That's awesome. Uh, How many of you, let's take it a step further. How many of you have a little garden or an herb garden, something that you're growing that you eat? Okay. Yeah, and I didn't say smoke. I said eat. All right, good. (laughs) Choose your category correctly. All right. So a few of us. All right, a few of us. Okay. Uh, we have a tiny little herb garden that Gigi and Jeannie planted right in the back of our house. And it's, it's not huge. It's cute. It's not huge, right? And so they planted mint, and they planted cilantro, and little peppers, and it's so cute. And so when they planted that, they planted it back in the spring. Now, can you imagine if right after putting the seeds in the ground, in the, or into the little soil, into the little pots, and pouring the little water on, if they stood there next to those little herbs and went, come on, we're waiting. What's your problem? Hurry up. We have dinner tonight, and we have a Southwest-themed salad that we need this cilantro for. We need you to hurry it up. What's your problem? We need that fruit. That's not what they did, is it? What they did is they planted those seeds, and then they faithfully daily, weekly, monthly watered them, made sure that they were okay. And in time, in fact, even earlier this week, we were able to enjoy the fruit of all of that work. We are now able to enjoy that sweet, sweet cilantro because of their... Okay, real talk. The cilantro did die. I want to be clear about that. The cilantro didn't make it, but the peppers and the mint did, right? I mean, that's, that's the whole point. That's the picture. That's what they're actually talking about in Psalm chapter one is that there will be fruit one day. You just may not see it today, but that's okay because you're playing the long game. You're playing the long game with God. Now think about how important that is to have that kind of perspective. No, 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 I know there's things that I'm doing today, yeses that I'm saying to God today that will one day have an effect, a blessing on my life, on other people's lives. I may not see it today, like a little seed I can't see, but it's there. I may not be able to see it, but in season, God's gonna bring it to fruitfulness, a fruitful life. Think about it this way. In fact, this is the whole, this is it. This is the whole idea, the whole message that God gave me for this weekend. This is it. So you might wanna jot this down. I don't think it's gonna get any better than this in this message, so... You might want to jot this down. Tomorrow's fruitfulness, listen, tomorrow's fruitfulness is found in today's faithfulness. 
Is that right? Tomorrow's fruitfulness is found in today's faithfulness. Think about that for a second. That life promise that you will have a life where there is fruit and where it prospers, that everything you do actually is a blessing to God and to others, that is actually promised, but it starts, it begins, it's found in today's faithfulness. Now, does that jibe with our current cultural thought? Right? Because we want all of God's blessing, and when do we want it? Now. Like, God, now is when I need you to do all the things on my behalf. Now is when I actually want you to do it. But what this verse is saying and what it's teaching us is that, no, 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 tomorrow's fruitfulness is found in today's faithfulness. And in fact, here's the deal. You may not even see it tomorrow. You may not see it for another year. Your faithfulness today may not even show up as fruitfulness for another 10 years. In fact, get this. It may not even show up in your lifetime. But your kids will receive it. If you have kids, your grandkids, your community Think about all the heroes and leaders that we respect and look up to in our nation. They saw the long game, that it wasn't all going to get done in their lifetime. It may not, you may not see the blessing of that in your lifetime, but there will be fruit. Now, again, our, our, our culture has such a hard time for that. I want what I want, and I want it. Now, God, just give me the blessings now. God, I just want all of it. I don't want to have to do all that work. I just want all the fruit that comes from it. Give it to me now. But do you know that's not how a fruitful life works with God? That's Uber Eats. You just got it twisted. It doesn't work that way, right? It's about a long game, sowing faithfulness into today that becomes fruitfulness tomorrow. Now, I know that we have people all over the spiritual spectrum in our church, people who are new to faith. People would say they're not even on board yet. They're still checking it out. People who are coming back to faith and people who've been walking with God for a very long time. And my hunch is here in this room or watching online, there's probably some super Christians, right? We'll call them super Christians, right? And they're, they're listening to this message about having this long game in the future and what God's going to do tomorrow. And they're kind of thinking to themselves, wait a second. That's not really their voice, but let's just do it. Wait a second, doesn't the Bible say that many are the plans of a person's heart, but God's counsel is what prevails? Doesn't the Bible say not to worry about tomorrow? Because Jesus said this, I believe it was Jesus who said this. That tomorrow has enough worries for itself. Doesn't the Bible say that? Yeah. And it says this. I mean, I'm like, yep. And it says this too. And... Most of those verses that you're probably thinking of in your head about the future and how we don't have to worry about the future aren't actually even about what we're talking about today. They're ultimately about trust. Do I trust God with my future? Do I trust God with my plans? Do I move forward with God with open hands and trust that his ways are better than my ways? That's actually what it's all about. It doesn't mean that I don't have a vision, a plan, a calling, a direction for my life that God and I co-authored together. It just means that I'm open to as he leads and I'm going to keep moving forward and I'm going to keep moving forward and I'm going to keep moving forward. And even when detours come in our life and they, listen, they will. You're playing a long game and you get a detour in your life. The loss of a job, right? That can change your whole perspective. Oh my gosh, I lost my job. How's this going to work? I had all these dreams and plans and things. I wanted to be at this point in my career and this is, I, you can lose perspective instantly. I get it. Or the loss of someone you love. Our family's walking through this right now. We had plans. We had dreams. We had, it was all part of the bigger picture. And that's changed now. But when I'm willing to put my trust in God and make plans with open hands, I'm able to adjust. 
I'm able to adapt to realities that I would not have chosen for myself, but maybe a part of my story for whatever reason. See, here's the deal. You can't alter a plan that you don't have. You can't change direction if you don't have direction in the first place. And so what we're talking about here in these next couple weeks is how do you look at your life as a long game? How, what's the story that you want to tell with your one and only life? Do you have a vision for that? Even callings that God has given you. How can you begin to say yes even today, even if God's blessing doesn't come till tomorrow, or even if you don't see it at all? Because here's the deal. You already know this. I don't even have to say it. Today's decisions determine tomorrow's direction. There's no way around that. Today's decisions, what you and I, decisions we make today, determine tomorrow's directions. I'm talking about the biggest decisions, not where you go for lunch today. I'm talking about the big decisions. You know that, right? They determine, they set the trajectory for tomorrow's direction. That's why it matters. Your yeses and nos to God have a bigger effect than you may even realize. They're part of a long game with him. And when you begin to see life with God as more of a long game, again, it opens up your perspective. What does that look like? Um, this summer, we had the opportunity to be with our kids like we've really never been able to be with them before. We were so present with them. We got to have all these incredible experiences with them. And they're, listen, I'm, Jeannie and I are, are the most biased, but they're incredible kids. They've walked through the loss of their uncle so well spoke at his funeral. I was so proud of them. They traveled the world. They flew to Africa. They flew one flight to my mom's house by themselves. And I know you're thinking, we're bad parents, but it was just cheaper. It was easier that way. <laughs> They're incredible kids. We're incredibly biased. But one of the things that Jean and I started reflecting on as we were reflecting on this incredible time that God has given us and our family is we began to think about our son, Elijah, and Elijah's our firstborn. He turns 14 in about a month, and he's such an amazing kid. This is a picture of he and I having breakfast together in Cape Town. Let me just say that again. We were having breakfast together in Cape Town. It just sounds fun to say. And so we were having breakfast together and have, talking about kind of big picture stuff with him. And Jean and I were talking a couple weeks ago about that time and about our whole time together. And it hit us. It really hit us like never before that we only have five summers left with him till we send him off into the world. And for those of you who are parents or young parents, it feels like it's never going to end until it feels like it's going to end way too soon. Five more summers with him until we send him off to college or wherever God calls him to next. And when I asked Elijah if I could share this picture and this story, I said, you know, I want to talk about the fact that we only have five summers left with you. He goes, well, four summers. I said, no, dude, add it up. It's five summer. He goes, when I graduate, I'm out of here. So we maybe spent too much time together as a family. But what if? I don't know. I can't know or control the future. You can't, I can't, none of us can. But if we have five summers left as a family, Gene and I began to talk and we began to pray. We began to plan. What do we want to do with him specifically? How do we want to disciple him? How do we want to prepare him to go out into the world as a good human who loves God and loves others well? What kind of things do we want to do that we may not be able to do in other seasons? Again, this is just a small thing. It hit us just a few weeks ago, but it's that long game picture. I want to think beyond just this summer. 
I want to think beyond just today. That's what it actually begins to look like. And you don't have to be a parent to have that kind of perspective. You don't. Like if you've ever trained a puppy before, you know what I'm talking about, right? Work hard in the short term so that you enjoy the long term with less mess later, right? That's the principle. You don't have to be a parent. You don't have to be married. You don't even have to have a job yet. You don't have to have graduated college yet. It's never too soon for you to start thinking of the long game with God. And it's never too late for you to think about the life that you want to live in obedience and step with him. It's never too late for you to actually begin to do that today. You just need to see that that's what life is with God. It's a long game and that my yeses today, my faithfulness today paves the way for tomorrow's fruitfulness. And am I willing, are you willing to do that today? And I'm gonna wrap up here and pray and we're gonna close in a song, but I left a little thing in my notes just open to say, say whatever God has for our church in this moment. And I just, I want to say um, that my hunch is there are some folks here who are in the midst of a detour. Things have not gone the way you thought they would go. And, and it may be a sudden one, like we're walking through as a family. Or it may felt like you've just been drifting for years now. And you're waking up to your life going, wait, is this where I want to be? Is this how I want to live? And maybe you've lost perspective. Maybe. Or maybe you'd be willing to admit you never really had kind of a long game with God perspective. And I just want to let you know, it's not too late. And this is not the whole of the story. This is a twist. This is a turn. This is not the destination. God has been faithful to you. If you have eyes to see, he's been faithful to you. He is faithful to you. And I know it's hard to see when you feel so angry or you feel so scared or you feel so alone. He's faithful. He's present. And he will be faithful to you. And he's inviting you to just start saying yes again. Yes again to him. Over the long game, yes to him. And I believe that there's a life far beyond what you could have hoped for or imagined with him waiting for you around the corner from this detour. So the homework I want to give to you is real simple. Homework is just a question. It goes back to what we said a little bit ago. Maybe you might want to jot this down or screenshot this. It's a way to kind of, as a compass for the decisions you're making, the big decisions that you're making about your life or about a relationship or about where you live or all that stuff. Here's the simple question that you can ask yourself as you're facing a big decision. What does this decision say beyond today? Because before you make it, before you react... Just pause for a moment and say, wait, what will this decision say beyond today? If I make this decision this way, if I, is this a yes to God or is this just kind of yes to my way or a short game kind of way? What does this decision say beyond today? As best I can see, I can't know or control the future. What will the implications of this decision be? And I don't just mean pros and cons. I mean for me, for my life with God, for my relationship with others. It's just a way to catch yourself and say, and maybe this week there'll be some times for you to ask that question. What does this decision say beyond today? What might God be doing bigger than what I can see in this moment? And so what I'd love to do is pray for you as we try as best we can to walk in step with God. I'd ask you to stand. I want to pray for you. And uh, man, it's so good to be back with you. We take a posture of prayer around here. We open our hands. If you're new around here, we like to open our hands in prayer. Just think it's a better posture, especially for what we've been talking about today. 
Like, God, I have these plans. I have this vision. I have this dream for my life. And maybe it's not all been perfect, but my hands are open to you, God. Do what you want to do. Do what only you can do. Even if you, God, you want to redirect these plans, I'm open. I'm available to you. I think that's a pretty great way to walk through our days together with God. So let me pray uh, for you right now. God, thank you for the fact that you are a long game God. I mean, you, you've been faithful since before we even had the concept of time. And you will be faithful throughout all eternity. And our lives, God, as big or complex as they may seem, they're just kind of a little tiny dot on the timeline of your faithfulness and the long game of redemption that you've been doing in the world. And so, God, would you help us? Especially, I just want to pray for anyone right now who maybe has hit a detour, has hit a wall. It feels even like a dead end. And they've lost hope and they've lost perspective. Maybe they've even lost sight of you. Oh, God, would you remind them through the power and presence of your Holy Spirit now that you are with them, that you love them, that you actually want to give them the next step and the next step and the next step, and that they can trust you, even if life is not as they thought it would be by this point. They can trust you for the long game. God, thank you that you are not done with us yet, that you have so much more in store for us than we could even hope for or imagine. And so, God, I pray that over my brothers and sisters that we would step back and see the bigger picture, have a better perspective of you at work in our lives and in this world. We pray this in your name. Amen.